Susie, we have Alina on the line here. What would you like to ask her? So I know you talked about the tax benefits, but what are some other like best reasons for passive investing that you share with your potential investors? It's mainly the freedom of time. They don't have the time to invest in real estate, but they want to leverage the benefits of real estate and not just the tax benefit, but also the residual income that's coming with it. They can easily do it through real estate syndications. If people don't want to change their lifestyle, you just want to enjoy what you're doing, don't want to give it up, but want to invest in real estate, then syndications are a perfect way to do that. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. This is journal entry number 43 and part of our Ask the Experts series. On today's episode, we have experienced investor Alina Trigub and aspiring investor Susie Sevier. Keep listening to hear reasons to invest passively in real estate and also to hear the most common questions from investors. And now, the show. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. Very excited for today's show. It's one of our Ask the Expert episodes. We have two amazing people on the line with us. We have a woman with a ton of experience in this business, Alina Trigub, and a very motivated and energetic aspiring investor, Susie Sevier. So first, Alina is the founder and managing partner of Samo Financial. It's a boutique private equity firm specializing in helping a select group of people passively invest in commercial real estate. For over seven years, Alina has been an equity partner in various multifamily private placements nationwide. Her bio is extensive and her accomplishments are numerous, but I'll just be brief on that part. Stop there and just say, Alina, thank you so much for being on the show and welcome. Brian, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited about this episode. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. So let's let's just dive right into to who you are and what your background is. Can you give me an idea of your background and history up until you started pursuing apartments? Sure. I started out as a tax accountant many moons ago mm-hmm. and tried both public and private world, never really liked accounting mm-hmm. and decided to try something completely different, which was information technology. So I leveraged my accounting expertise and was able to get a job in information technology testing applications. And since that point, stayed in the technology world for um, roughly about 20 years, Mm -hmm. moving from different jobs and different careers, but mainly being able to uh, liaise toward. I was Mm -hmm. helping business world and technology world connect and communicate. So my Mm -hmm. roles were very, very different, but essentially was to connect those two worlds and help them communicate and talk to each other. And while I was doing that, you know, the former tax accountant spoke to me and I kept thinking about finding ways to lower taxes as uh, my career, my husband's career was growing and so the tax bracket. And real estate kept coming back. And so finally, about seven years ago, was the time when I finally took action. Yeah. I started digging, researching, and started my real estate journey. Nice. So so real estate journey in this case was kind of pushed forward by your desire to lower your income taxes. Correct. Which, I mean, I don't want to don't go political on this, but with, with Trump's income <laughs> tax in the news right now, I think everybody in the world 
is finding out that real estate is a very good way to reduce your income taxes. But Extremely uh, lucrative. I don't think there's any other way to lower your taxes. Do it uh, mm-hmm. in a legit way as you know as real estate allows it's it's yeah. a great opportunity yeah and with recent tax laws i mean the the accelerated depreciation is just making that even easier i mean i i don't make you know millions per year yet but uh i'm i'm able to just with depreciation zero out you know my my taxes pretty easily on an annual basis so all right so so you decided to to jump into real estate how did that look for you when you started out so I was looking for properties locally where I live, which is New Jersey, but mm-hmm. the prices seem to be extremely high. And I decided to start looking out of state after mm-hmm. some time. And while I was researching out of state, I came across the world of syndications. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like a viable strategy. So I decided to give it a try. I invested in one and then another and then another. And then it was a more or less trickle-down effect. After investing in quite a few syndications, I realized that this was a great way to build wealth and uh, it can be done passively. And I, I decided that I wanted to help other people do what I was doing at that point, essentially help them find way to invest in real estate, build passive income, lower their taxes, and on top of it, diversify their portfolio. Because if you think of it, most W-2 folks, they go to work, they get the 401k or IRA, and all they know is brokerage, Wall Street. And Mm -hmm. all they invest in is stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. So this was a perfect opportunity to help other people diversify their portfolios and invest in something outside of Wall Street. Yeah. So you saw a potential there and you said, I need to help other people do the exact same thing. That's great. Um, Correct. And I started my company at that mm -hmm. time. So this was about two and a half years ago. I started Samo Financial Uh with the sole purpose of helping other folks to do exactly the same thing, invest, do it either via cash or do it through the self-directed IRA accounts Mm -hmm. and diversify their portfolio and find ways to... Uh, lower their taxes. Yeah, and I think that's 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 key. And just just this past year, we've seen how volatile the markets. We were reminded once again how volatile the stock market is. And I I truly be, believe to truly diversify your portfolio, you have to have a good chunk of your money outside of the market. How much depends on your risk and the level of exposure you want. But uh, you know, to be truly diversified, you need to have, in my opinion, I think real estate is a key key piece to that. So. I completely agree, Brian. And, you know, people think that if they put money into the REIT, which is Real Estate Investment Trust, Mm -hmm. they'll satisfy the real estate requirement. But what they don't realize is REIT is just another name for a mutual fund. So all Mm -hmm. they're generating is ordinary income, which is not going to help them at all. We're investing in syndications, give them that truly real estate tax benefit that's not available through Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with with a syndication, you know, and I've I've seen this, you know, with with a couple of my passive investments, you get that K one form. That assuming the the operators are sharing the depreciation, I mean, you can end up with cash positive year with a very large negative number on your your tax statement, which you know I I think's I think's absolutely amazing when it comes to you know filing your own personal income taxes. So agreed. Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about your your motivation. You talked a little bit about you know wanting to help other people, but let's let's dive a little deeper into your big burning why and your your motivation for pursuing apartment investing. It started with lowering taxes, but mm-hmm. beyond that, I wanted to build wealth 
and legacy for my family and generations to come. So that that's what it's all about. As a first generation immigrant, I felt that I was responsible for building that wealth and starting that legacy so that my kids and my grandkids and then future generation can enjoy it. And, and that entails not only just building wealth for the immediate family, but also helping other people, helping communities improve. When, for instance, when we buy in large apartment buildings, we are essentially coming in into the property and finding ways to beautify it. Mm-hmm. That's the, the main way to force your appreciation by improving apartments inside, also maybe adding a pet park or yep. uh, maybe adding a playground outside so that families can move in and they want to they would want to call that place home and live in that apartment for a very long time. That's yeah. essentially the goal. So my goal as well is to make sure that my legacy is reflected in my work, in yes. all the work that I do. Yeah, I like that. I mean, a lot of people talk about a financial legacy, but I mean, your, your legacy is helping communities as well, you know, and I, I really appreciate that. And I think a lot of apartment investors, you know, are, are doing the same thing, maybe for different reasons. But if you want to force the appreciation, you have to come in with a significant renovation budget. And, you know, what you're doing is creating win-win situations. Maybe add an extra win on there. Your investors are winning, your tenants or, or residents are winning, and general partnership or the, the sponsors of the deal are also winning. So, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. So let's let's do this real quick. Let's talk about either one of the deals or kind of your investment philosophy for, for apartments. Sure. When it comes to apartments, our philosophy is, again, to go into areas that are either C plus mm-hmm. or B minus or B areas and find underperforming assets mm-hmm. and then find a way to add value to that asset by either increasing income lowering expenses or doing both at the same time. And as I mentioned, that strategy may include renovating apartments. And in some cases, it's all of the apartments. In some instances, some of the apartments, maybe certain percentage mm-hmm. is already renovated and we would need to come in and renovate the rest of the apartments. It can also include changing potentially the roofs or maybe mm-hmm. the, the outside look of the buildings or potentially adding playgrounds Mm-hmm. We're improving the pools yep. if the projects have pools. Whatever it takes to improve the area and, again, attract the right type of tenant so that the tenants wouldn't want to just move in one year and move out the next. We mm-hmm. want to, tenants to stay there for a long term, enjoy it, and call that place their home for a very long time and have their kids in the schools nearby because the schools provide good educations and because the schools are highly rated and highly yeah. desirable. Nice, nice. So you you build communities is what you're doing with your apartments. You you want people exactly. to be long term tenants, live there, put their kids in school, and enjoy the fruits of your labors. Essentially, what what uh, geographic areas or what areas of the the U.S. are you focused on as far as acquisitions and where are your assets currently located? For multifamily, I'd say majority of our projects are in Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston area. Okay. Okay. Yeah, those those are definitely hot areas. You know, there's a lot of growth there over the past several years and a lot of forecasted growth there in the next several years. So solid, solid markets there. The job markets are very strong in that area. And mm-hmm. we, we're firm believers that when the job markets are strong, then the population will continue moving into the area. And, you know, the, the climate is very attractive. There is no income tax in Texas. So that's also very attractive. So yes. a lot of people choose to move in. Yeah, and I understand. I mean, Texas is business friendly as well. So employers 
are are moving to to Texas as well. So I, I think what you said, you, you hit the nail on the head. If the job market is good in a place, real estate's going to be good because jobs are moving there means people are moving there, which means the economy's going up. All really good indicators. How has everything fared for you guys during the COVID environment? So far, so good. I mean, we had maybe a couple of percentages, uh, more vacancies, but otherwise it's been really good. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're trying to keep up with educating the tenants and explaining them uh, what's offered and what's available to them. And when it comes to tenants that have certain hardships, whether it's related to getting sick uh, with COVID or losing job with COVID, we we're making sure that our property management companies are detailing the options available to mm-hmm. the tenants in terms of payment plans or agencies that are providing assistance to them mm-hmm. to be able to um, pay for the property. Because, you know, even though there is eviction moratorium in place, but it doesn't mean that the tenant should not be paying their rent. Right. They should be paying their rent. But if they've been hit by COVID, either through job or illness, then uh, we're explaining to them what are the options that are available to them mm-hmm. and how they can access those options. So you're taking a very proactive approach in, in, the, in the cases. Good, good, good. All right. So uh, another question for you. What's what's coming up next for you? We're definitely looking forward to the elections and what's mm-hmm. going to come next after the elections. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, the first debate, uh, very interesting. I, I'm sure <laughs> the next two are going to be even more interesting. Yeah without going into the details, but yeah. um, we we believe that it's going to impact the lay of the land for real estate investors. So we're trying mm-hmm. to take very cautious steps in terms of the market we're going to and the type of assets we're investing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, our group, in addition to investing in multifamily, also invests in storage, mobile home park, and assisted living. So while we still like all of these asset classes, we are trying to be as careful as possible when reviewing new projects and deciding which projects to work on versus not. Interesting. Yeah. So I like that approach. So you're, you're invested in a lot of different areas and based on the, the results, you're going to be ready to pivot. I, I wouldn't say that we're waiting for the results. We, we're still reviewing mm-hmm. opportunities almost on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But in general, the, the approach is a lot more cautious mm-hmm. and a lot more strict in a way mm-hmm. be, because of the upcoming elections and the potential changes that it may bring to us. Okay. So you've tightened up your criteria right now is what you're Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. Okay, good, good, good. All right. Well, hey, thanks for all of that. We're going to switch gears again. We're going to bring Susie on the show. Susie's an aspiring real estate investor living in Cambridge, England. By the way, that's on my wife's bucket list, so we'll, we'll have to get out there someday. She graduated from the University of Denver with an MBA and a concentration in marketing and is currently studying for the Six Sigma Greenbelt Certificate. Excellent. Good luck to her. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> She's also working for a large biotech company as a supply chain coordinator and program manager. So that said, Susie, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I do want to thank you, Brian, for having me as a guest today on my first podcast. It's really exciting. And then I do want to thank you for like the networking opportunities you've provided and as well as your service. It is really exciting that you are retiring next year. No, it's yeah, awesome. that's, that's exciting for me too. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's one of those things, you know, I, I keep a, a countdown for, for a couple of reasons, you know, make sure that I'm ready, number one, but there's also a couple of goals I have while I'm still active duty that I want to see accomplished. But you know, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure getting to know you at the networking events over the last couple of months. And yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. This is awesome. So let's talk a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about your background and your history. 
Yeah. So I'm going to throw it back a little bit and because I've always had like a desire to do more, but I think like when you're growing up, you don't really know what that is. And so I went into my undergrad getting an anthropology and communication studies degree. And I chose those two because I really loved people and I really loved humans. But after graduation, I ended up getting into finance. Who knows how you go from anthropology to communication studies into finance, but I found a way to do it. Like a part of me knew that business was the way to go. So I think that guided me. But then five years into my finance journey, I was like, okay, like I want more, I need more. What am I going to do? And so that's how I transitioned into moving to Colorado. And so although I still stayed in finance, like for a job, that's what made me start the MBA program. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, okay, what can I learn? How can I network? Like, how am I going to find my true passion? And so yep. through my marketing concentration, I actually had the opportunity to take supply chain courses. Mm-hmm. And after I was taking those courses, I was like, wow, like I love this. This is what I enjoy. I mean, I get business and I get to do mm-hmm. like a whole broad spectrum of it. So like business improvement really stuck out to me. Yeah. And so I'm happy then that I was able to get a supply chain position out here. And so Mm -hmm. Michael, who is my business and life partner, we are currently located in Cambridge, like you said, and we've lived here a little over a year now. Michael, just to do a background, is active duty Air Force and he's pursuing his PhD in biochemistry. So that's what brought us here to begin with. Yeah. And then with that, our real estate investing journey actually also started over here. Mm -hmm. So the reason it started is because of COVID. So over here, the lockdown was a little over a hundred days. So Michael and I had the opportunity to hang out with each other a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, which was great Yeah, um, because he wasn't, he couldn't be in the lab. Mm -hmm. And so we started a mini book club. So he would read a book. I had to read a book and then we talk about it. So we started with the slight edge and then progressed through different books. But one of them that also stood out was multiple streams of income. Mm -hmm. And so it starts off small and definitely progresses into something larger. And so Michael and I have both been in the stock market. Mm -hmm. We were like, okay, what else can we do? And so when it got to the part on real estate investing, it was kind of like a light bulb went off. Like, why have we not been in this sooner? And so immediately, because we had all that time, we read so many books. We were listening to like hours of podcasts. We joined as many networking groups as we could. And once conferences started to go online, we started picking those up quickly because we're like, how long is this going to last? Like, because we need to consume all the information that we can. Mm -hmm. And so During that time, that is when our business, Adventurous Real Estate Investor, started. And so we kind of, I guess, chose that name because we like to go on adventures. So like traveling, something that is really important to us. And so we wanted to make sure we incorporated that into the business as well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, So I I love you're taking advantage of the situation. And actually, that, that networking event that I started was a product of COVID as well. I mean, when when the world shut down, I sat down and I started thinking, I'm like, I'm missing all these networking events. And Mm -hmm. in the back of my mind, I kind of had the same train of thought as you guys did. It's like, okay, well, how can I use this to my advantage? And I started realizing that you can do the same thing with Zoom. You know, it's just amazing. But yeah, well, good for you guys. And yeah, I really think what you guys have done so far is is amazing. I love how this worked out for you guys. So one real question for you that uh, I ask everybody, what's your big burning why? What's your motivation for apartment investing? Yeah. So my burning why it kind of started also during lockdown because Mm -hmm. before you think, you know what you want. And then really when it's like, Oh, 
how can I make this bigger? It's like when you truly figure it out. So because of the opportunity it created for Michael and I to spend a lot of time together, when he went back to the lab, like I realized like, whoa, like we need to create a life where we can work from anywhere because working from anywhere would allow us to travel more and experience the deep and beautiful cultures really that this world has to offer. So we wanted to make sure that we could preserve our current lifestyle and enhance it. But then along with that, I want to be in a better position to help others. And so I want to be able to look beyond my four walls to see who I can serve. And I want to be able to share these experiences with others by learning as much as I can so I can help others become financially free as well. Well, yeah, I love that. So one thing that I do appreciate about this business as well is just as you said, I mean, you can do it from anywhere. It will free you up. You don't have to be at a specific location every time. And incidentally, I imagine you guys have done a little bit of travel around Europe, taking advantage of your location out there so far. No, yeah, we definitely have. And it makes it much easier when flights are like $20 round trip to go anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. For, for me to get to the UK right now is going to be a lot more expensive than $20. Let's put it <laughs> yeah, that way. So yeah. And I, I also really, really keyed on the fact and I love the fact that you're looking to also give back to other people as well to help other people. Once you're on a sure foundation, just, you know, reach down and help other people come up. So I really appreciate about that about you. And like I said, it's, it's been, it's been fun so far getting to know you. I'm looking forward to, to a lot more networking events, but you know, well, that said, Susie, we have Alina on the line here. What would you like to ask her? A couple of questions for you. So I know you talked about the tax benefits, but what are some other like best reasons for passive investing that you share with your potential investors? Sure. So it's mainly the freedom of time. If, if it's someone who is a busy business professional or a entrepreneur, business owner, and they don't have the time to invest in real estate, but they want to leverage the benefits of real estate and not just the tax benefit, but also the residual income that's coming with it, they can easily do it through real estate syndications. And while they have some upfront homework to do, they need to learn what syndications are about and how they work. After they do that homework and after they understand how to read the documents, executive summary, open memorandums and whatnot, and the legal documents, it will take them probably just a few hours to review each offering and decide whether it's something that they want to do or not. And that's assuming they already know the operators, you know, that upfront work will probably take 10, 15 hours or something like that. And after that, it's just a matter of a few hours. And if people don't want to change their lifestyle and, you know, it doesn't even have to be job or business, it could be a hobby or it could be other things. You just want to enjoy what you're doing. Don't want to give it up, but want to invest in real estate, then syndications are, are a perfect way to do that. Does that make sense? No, yeah, completely does. Thank you so much for that. So like after they, I guess, do their homework and put some of that effort in, what are the most common questions that you get from them? Like, what should I be able to answer right away? Like after they've done a little bit of homework? Yeah, no, excellent question. Do get a lot of questions. I actually, what I started doing is I started writing articles based on the most frequently asked questions that my investors ask. And I would say a lot of them ask about the terminology. What is IRR? What is annual return? What is cash on cash and so forth? So I wrote a whole article with a whole list of terminology and what each of them means. Then they may ask, how do you choose the market? Or how do you review the offering memorandum? Or what is private placement memorandum? Those are, I would say, are the most common questions. Or why choose this specific asset class versus the other? 
whatever questions that come to mind when you're choosing your investment, regardless whether you're passive or active investment, are, are typically, th- those questions are typically pretty identical. Why this market? Why this investment? How is this investment going to work? What kind of strategies to be implemented? Does the market have the infrastructure to support what we're planning to do with our property and so forth? So those are, I would say, are the most commonly asked questions. Okay. And I mean, I should be able to answer those by just doing due diligence beforehand, because if they're asking questions like about the market and about IRR, I mean, I would hope that I would know those <laughs> before I started Absolutely. getting into yeah. multifamily investing. <laughs> yep, yep. Definitely very, very yeah. important for you to know that. Those are the same questions I get up front from, from investors. You know, the, the newer investors, you know, have tend to have a little more or a few more questions and more basic questions, but yeah, markets and numbers and how do you know you're going to hit those projections are high on the list as well. And so the one other question that I want to point out, even the investor, if the investors don't ask, especially if these are newer investors, I, I think it's something very, very critical to point out to them. While th- this investment may be not as unpredictable as Wall Street, there, there's still some risks involved. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's very important to tell your investors upfront about the risks and how are you planning to mitigate those risks. So always talk about that, even if they don't ask, because it's it's important for them to understand that this is risky. This is not FDIC insured. Mm -hmm. And if something like that happens, this is your plan. That's how you plan to mitigate those risks and find ways to move forward. Definitely share with your investors. Yeah. And that, that risk mitigation, talking about risk mitigation is going to calm investors nerves because a lot of people have those questions and they're just not asking. If you can beat them to the punch with that logic, I mean, you're, you're going to hit a lot of the questions before they're even asked. So No, yeah. Thanks so much for that. And I do know because we have a team set up and half of our team is experienced investors. So they are like mentoring us slash helping us understand it all. So I do know that that is something that's really important because even when we've looked at previous webinars and such, like a lot of people are asking about the risk. So that definitely comes up a lot. So I know everybody has to obviously start from the very beginning. So what have you done in the past or what are you currently doing to keep in contact with your investors in between deals? So how often should I be sending out content since not everyone will be a part of the first few deals? Sure. It's definitely important to stay in touch with your investors. And what I would also say, when you're having conversations or texts with them or meeting them, don't only talk about investments, talk about personal stuff, business, life, work, only if they want to talk about it, of course. Because keep in mind, when you're dealing with investors, you're dealing with other people like yourself. So people always love talking about themselves. And the more you ask about them, the better they feel because they feel like you're truly interested in them as a person and not just in their wallet and how to get the money from them. So that's point number one. But to answer your earlier questions, there is no set number in terms of frequency. I would say at least once a month, send them a newsletter. Otherwise, some people send stuff every week, uh, every few days, or maybe bi-weekly, whatever you feel comfortable with. And it can be newsletter, it could be some fun fact, or it could be a sample deal that 
you can use as a reference point saying this is the type of deal that we would want to bring to you guys. And just so you know, this is what our expectations and your expectations should be. That's what we like. And then maybe make a, a few educational videos. If you hear people asking the same questions, like um, I wrote articles, but the videos are pretty powerful and pretty common these days and very, very popular. So if mm-hmm. you can make a few videos and animate them, this would be priceless. And just explain terms like I mentioned earlier, IRR, ARR, cash on cash, cap rate, and so forth. So a lot of people are really confused. So if you can take the time and explain it to them, they will be very grateful for that explanation. Yeah, great, great answer there. And I'll just, just throw in, we typically send out a monthly email to our list. But what we also do is we try to get on the phone and, and talk to a lot of them. So especially the ones who have already invested with us, you know, we, we try once a quarter to get on the phone and, and we haven't been successful with everybody. We're, we're probably at about an 80% success rate, but we get on the phone once and we just talk to them, you know, not Same about here. the, yeah, not about the investment, just talk to them. Exactly. So, yeah. Have you been able to people via Zoom? <laughs> I feel like that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. No, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Of course. That's the main mean of communication these days. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's actually been wonderful. I mean, I think you get a little more of a connection over Zoom than you do on personal, uh, on phone calls. Obviously not quite as much as meeting somebody for, for lunch or coffee or something, but a little more connecting when you can actually see somebody's face. Completely agree, Brian. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It helps when you interact with the person, when you can see their facial expression and when you can use your face, hands, maybe show them, you know, whether it's a pen or a pencil or something else. It's always helpful to to do that face-to-face. No, yeah. And I agree with that as well. Like I've been on zoom calls a lot, just like meeting people, investors and networking. And sometimes when people don't have their video on, it's almost like, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> you know, why don't you want your video on? So no, I totally yeah. am implementing zoom a lot as well. And so then my final question is that like, as I've been learning more and just like listening to more podcasts and such, I'm hearing a lot of investors talk about the KLTI blueprint. So the know, like, trust and invest. And with it focusing on live events, and I know you really like your doing meetups and such, like in order to get people to trust you more. So while I'm in England, the live events are obviously much more difficult for me to attend. So how have you taken advantage of all the online networking and how can I still take advantage of it as the conferences slowly start to go back to in-person. Granted, we don't know what's going to happen, but I know when people are advertising for next year, they're going to say it's live. Mm -hmm. And so then like with that, how can I still create that credibility? I I would say you should take advantage of the fact that everything is virtual and remote. And, you know, while there are time differences, there is still significant time overlap where you can interact Mm -hmm. with people, whether it's like we're doing now through this podcast or through conferences or through meetups and talk about yourself. And while you're doing that, you should also work on building your brand. And that brand can be either your name, the company that you created, show the credibility behind that brand by giving value to people. How can you give value? Well, again, it comes down to giving people what they're looking for, whether it's explaining certain terminology or whether it's talking about potential projects that you would be working on or whether it's uh, describing the deals that you're currently researching maybe and what you're finding about the deals. This not only helps you when you 
talk out loud about your own deals, it not only helps you to uncover other things, but it also helps other people to follow your thought process and, and understand for themselves what to look for in the potential deals and what are the pros and cons of, of one project versus another. So in other words, you need to build your thought leadership platform. It, it could be a podcast, but you know, every single person now has a podcast. I don't, but you know, it, it's okay. Yeah. Brian has one and I, I see that yes. he's really enjoying it. You know, and it, it's, it's funny. We, we actually paused our podcast because when we decided to do the podcast, 20 or 30 people within this, you know, within a two month period all said, Hey, I'm starting a podcast. I'm starting a podcast. I'm starting a podcast. And we actually pause. This format is due to everybody having a podcast. But I love this format, by the way. I think it's really phenomenal. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. This is the first time I'm doing this, so it's it's yeah. really great. Thank you for doing oh, it, Brian. And I have a blast too. I mean, this is fun, you know. So it um, is. I, I get to learn from people who are a little more experienced than me, and I get to help people that are sometimes a little less experienced than me. But uh, for sure, uh, so it's, it's awesome. Yeah, so so the podcast, articles, mm-hmm. videos, eventually maybe you'll be able to write a book and then uh, networking with people virtually. Take the opportunity mm-hmm. now. This is the perfect timing for, for you right now because everything is virtual. So th- there's no excuse. And mm-hmm. I think it'll take a while till people will go completely to in-person events because people are realizing how much more convenient this is and how much less expensive Mm-hmm. to do events virtually. And that's why I think you need to stick to this trend and start building the momentum by talking to others, maybe starting your own virtual events if you'd yeah. like, and just giving values to others. You know, by giving, giving, giving all the time, you'll be able to create that thought leadership platform where people are looking at you as a leader because they know you're always giving and they would want to be looking up to you and want to be connected. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add one thing. I mean, when, when you're talking about multifamily conferences in general, when you go there, you're going to meet other syndicators. And depending on you know where you want to go, that may not be the best place for you. I mean, you're going to learn. You may be able to find partners there or vendors, but you're at the point to where you're looking for passive investors or other people than other syndicators. Those conferences aren't going to be the best place for you. It, just throwing it out there. But I had, had somebody else on the podcast, you know, a week ago saying that if you're looking for investors at a multifamily conference, it's like, you know, fishing for shark. So, <laughs> but, that, uh, yeah, yeah, I like that. And I didn't actually think about it like that. So thank you definitely for doing that. And I mean, yeah. we definitely join all of the networking that we can. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like we're in a conference every other weekend, even just to learn more. Mm-hmm. But with the time difference too, it's actually been really helpful. Some things are like, perfectly timed. Like uh, the late night stuff in the States isn't too ideal, but since I'm a morning person too, I've woken up early just to talk to people because it might just be the end of their day. And so it's worked out pretty well. I was nervous about the time difference at first, but it's almost been in our favor. Yeah. You you can make it work is, you know, whatever situation you're in, you can make it work. Like we talked before the show, you know, you do it, you don't try, you just, you make it work. Absolutely true. And I mean, if you can make it work from a different country, I think there's yeah. a lot of people hope to make yeah. it work. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, we're about out of time. So one question for both of you to close up, Alina, you go first. How can our listeners learn more about you? They can find me through my website, which is samofinancial.com or through other social media platforms. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Okay. And we will put links to your website and to your uh, profiles in the show notes. So if anybody wants to know more about her, go to the show notes, scroll down and just tap on the links. 
And Brian, one, one more thing. If there are any new investors that are still struggling to find out what real estate investing niche is the best for them, I have actually created a training uh, with specifically that purpose. I remember how I was struggling when I decided to invest in real estate and had no idea what type of real estate investing I want to do. So the training is to narrow down your focus and help you figure out what's real estate investing niche is right for you. I can give you the link as well if any of the folks listening are interested in that training. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll put that link down in the show notes as well and, and make sure they can access that. And, you know, you, you've mentioned you're in several different property types and asset classes. So, I mean, who better to help somebody with that type of information than somebody who's done it all? So I, I think that's great. All right, Susie, same question for you. How can the listeners learn more about you? Yeah, thanks for asking. So we have a website. It's adventurousrei.com. And there we have a guide that explains how to invest in real estate from anywhere in the world. And so to get that, just go to adventurousrei.com forward slash guide. And then I am also very active on LinkedIn and Facebook. So you can find me as well under Suzy Sevier. All right, perfect. We'll put uh, links to your profiles and your website into the guide as well in the show notes. So once again, if you're listening and you're interested in any of that, hit the show notes and, and tap the links. All right. Well, ladies, thank you again so, so much for coming on the show today. I truly enjoyed this time with you and look forward to other opportunities. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for your service and thanks for the podcast interview. Thanks, Thanks, Susie. Yeah, thank you so much, you too. I appreciate it a lot. All right, and that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.